0: All right. Well, as we uh, come back, just for a, a brief time of reflection on Scripture, uh, we are doing a short uh, study, I thought, reflecting on the depth and the uh, foundations, sources of joy in a season like this would be a worthwhile time of, uh, to reflect on, uh, on God and His goodness in that area. And so we 're taking a couple of weeks to look at joy and uh, its various sources as God provides means by which He communicates and deepens and strengthens our joy in Him and our joy in being with and for one another and then uh, we will be uh, at the conclusion of that launching into uh, an undetermined length of time in in Romans, although I can promise you that it will not be multiple years, although I'm sure it'll be more than a few months. Uh, it, it is a rather large book uh, and a wonderful book, and uh, one that that I really haven't, I think most of you know, touched uh, much in my 20 years as a pastor. Um, so I don't know that I'm ready to do anything in Romans, but uh, it seems that I probably should start at some point uh, delving into this book. So looking forward to that, or perhaps uh uh, at least uh, with a little bit of fear and intrepidation. We we looked last week at our first uh, small uh, sermon on our, our, our time together on joy and the, uh, the richness that comes from knowing that we are thought of by others and getting our thoughts off of ourselves and on to others. And so we looked at how Jesus in the incarnation uh, – allows us to to see in in, in clear relief how God doesn't just know the theoretical ideas of what it means to suffer pain and the, the calamities of sin, but in fact in the incarnation, Jesus knows intimately what happens when you live in a fallen and broken world. And so when he thinks of us, when he stands and advocates for us, as Hebrews tells us that he does, at the right hand of the Father, we have one who knows our weaknesses, and what a joy it is to know that we are known, and to know that our thoughts and our needs are being brought to the Father by Christ himself. And in the same way, because of what we have through the Holy Spirit, and because of who we are in Christ as new creations, in ever greater degrees, we have the opportunity and the ability to think of others, Uh, and to get our minds off of our present needs, which are real, to say the least. It doesn't mean that our desires and needs are insignificant. It's just that they lose context when all we do is think about ourselves, that our own needs begin to have a richer and healthier context when we are thinking of others. And this is uh, certainly, you know, when we are locked in, with our spouses and our children and our roommates? What does it mean to begin to put ourselves in their thoughts as they too are struggling with the confines of small areas? And so part of fostering joy is thinking of the other and knowing and feeling the comfort uh, of trusting that our loved ones and certainly our Savior is thinking and knows our own needs and concerns. This morning, we're going to look at how the next step of actually serving the other and recognizing that we have been served uh, comes in a place where joy is not just a feeling, but it is an action. And so the ability not only to think about the other's need, but to come alongside And to know we have been served and to have the joy in Christ to serve others is another way in which God reinforces and strengthens our joy and our hope. It is uh, through the act of prayer that I want us to begin thinking about how we serve others and enjoy the the reality of having been served by God. And so we're going to read the other version of the Lord's Prayer uh, this morning, this one out of Luke chapter 11. And I'll just read the first four verses. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that as any good and wise teacher, you use different words to get at the same core truths of who we are and who you are. Lord, we thank you that we have your teaching on prayer in both Matthew and Luke, and that we have an opportunity to reflect on the facets, the different ways the light of your truth refracts and is shown in the different words that you choose to inspire in Scripture. We pray, Lord, that we would delight in those words and that they would strengthen and encourage us. In Christ's name, amen. So as we think about this aspect of prayer being a preparation for action and the way that Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, hopefully what you'll see is that it is a prayer assuming action. It is a prayer that assumes that we are in participation with what God is doing and that God is working through us to accomplish his tasks, not just grand tasks, but even in the mundane ways in which we love and care for one another and show service and mercy in the same way that God shows uh, justice, mercy, and love and kindness for us. Even as we've read in Psalm 66, in going with us through trials, as we have the dross burned off, as we go through those things which uh, reveal our need for Christ and His grace to us, we were wondering when the delivery person would come. the uh, The Amazon account did say that it was out for delivery. So um, again, what? <laughs> Glad that we're not overly excited about formality here at CVP. We must roll with uh, the punches. But uh, as uh, as Oakley is calmed now, um, so uh, point one uh, of the sermon coming from verse one is to be that we learn to pray, because it helps structure our thoughts and our prayer and our actions. Secondly, uh, letting others into our prayers is how our actions uh, again tie in with the joy of who God is. And then lastly, letting go of our prayers. Uh, What does it mean then to to allow the Lord to work through our prayers and for us to to let go? And we'll unpack what that means a little bit. So learning to pray, letting others into our prayers, and then letting our prayers go. First, learning to pray. Uh, It is uh, in line with who God is that we are going to have to have our thoughts change because he is the other, because he is so different from us in our broken and fallen and sinful state. And even in this already not yet state where we are one in Christ and yet still struggle with death and sin, it is not surprising that we have our prayer life shaped by God coming in and telling us about who he is And about how his world is bigger, grander, and even more uh, profound in the mundane, in the small things. That we learn to pray out of the nature of who God is and the nature of his kingdom. And so Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, hallowed be your name. And so it starts with a thought of the other a thought of this action and this participation in what God is doing, I'm already starting to get my mind off of me and the immediate needs and onto God himself, and that then creates the structure for me to think about the other. And we can see this even in seed form in Genesis chapter 1. Let us make them. God is in that moment revealing that his thoughts of his own glory include us. That as the heavenly council comes together, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit determined to create humanity in his own image, there is a thought of God as us, and then there is the thought, of us as his created. Let us make them. Prayer and an interaction with God is going to have to be bigger than just one person, one thought, one need, one perspective. So we learn to pray in the nature of God's character and the nature of his kingdom. Again, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We know that the great challenge ever since Genesis 3 is who is God, us or the true God, and whose kingdom comes, my kingdom or his. And we find ourselves regularly struggling with submitting to his kingdom ethic and agenda in relationship to ours, and that's what makes serving others a challenge. When I'm building my own kingdom, it's less likely that I'm willing to serve you as much as I am willing to allow you to be a means to my end. Even if it looks like initially that I'm doing something nice for you, uh, if it's my own kingdom, chances are that has ulterior motives as well. And so living in light and nature of the kingdom of God changes and enriches our prayers. Now you say, well, of course, but you see, I'm never going to have that kind of perfect prayer life. And certainly, this side of glory, our kingdom, and our will being done, are regularly going to interfere. What I would encourage is thinking about it this way. Of course God honors our prayers. We don't have to have a perfect prayer life. We don't have to have our minds perfectly in sync with the order of creation, God first, then us, or maybe the other and then us. Uh, in the order in which God cares for things, that will never happen perfectly. What I know is that if you have a car, for example, uh, I have a a little Audi with a 1.8 liter four-cylinder and a turbo, and it requires very high-octane gas because it is, well, like a gerbil designed to run very fast and very frantically. And if it doesn't have the right juice, it can kind of run, but it doesn't run well. I can see the lag. I can feel the lack of power. It's functioning, but not the way it was designed to function. And that's true whether uh, you like to play around with cars or you know that there's no point in putting cheap strings on a guitar or a violin because they won't do what needs to be done. Will it kind of sound like a guitar or a violin? Sure. But they won't hold tune very long. They won't endure the sound isn't right. And we could go through probably every craft and every uh, area of science and art and business, and we can say, we know what happens when we are running on the cheap stuff, when we're not running on the way it was uh, designed, the, the materials that are needed for it to run best. And I find that as we wrestle with our prayer life, One of the challenges and one of the ways that we can discover whether or not we're running our prayer life out of our own agendas or truly submitting to the agenda of God is how well that prayer life is building the joy and hope in my life. And I know that the more my own needs and my own kingdom dictate the way that I come to God, the more likely my prayer life is not, as rich and as deep and as fulfilling as I know God desires it to be. Is it still running? Does he still love me? Amen and amen. But there's such richness there as I begin to learn increasingly what it means to have his uh, will be done, his kingdom come. My prayers, even when they are answered in the negative or in a complicated way that I don't understand, My joy and richness is not shaken because the intimacy I have with God is not for my ends, but for his and for those that I pray for. And so letting us first understand that when we learn to pray, we're learning that different way of thinking and the process itself of having our kingdom and our needs reduced, which allows us then to reflect both on God more and on others which again is a basis of divine joy. But then secondly, letting others into our prayers. Now what I mean by that is when you look at verses 3 and 4, uh, you can see that we are in the process, of course, of asking God for our needs. But if we're going to truly uh, give those, uh, give forgiveness or release from indebtedness those who uh, owe us, isn't that going to affect the provision of our daily bread? Isn't that going uh, to affect our own understanding of forgiveness? There is a way in which when we begin to pray the Lord's Prayer and understand what Jesus is doing in his discipleship of first the apostles and then us, is that the way in which other people invade our prayers is not simply the list of people we pray for, But more accurately, the needs and concerns and hurts and pains of those we pray for begins to become our own heart's burden. We are praying with them and for them. It's uh, what Paul is alluding to when he calls us to bear one another's burdens. It's uh, the depth and breadth of what it means to be one in Christ and to, as Jesus did, weep over Jerusalem and to before he he before he died to say forgive them father for they know not what they do your prayer life for the other others could clearly invaded jesus's prayer life in the best sense of the burden and the desire to see the good for the other and the glory of god shown through and so we have Again, an encouragement, I think, to really and truly know the joy of what it is to see God's kingdom come, to know the heart of God and to think his thoughts after him as we let others engage in and fill our hearts and minds for their good and his glory. It's here that I want to inject just a quick uh, encouragement, too, about the language we use, propaganda is everywhere, and it is a way in which we can dehumanize the other. And again, it doesn't matter what side of an issue you are on, uh, the use of propaganda to, to categorize the other infests our life. Uh, it is in our Twitter streams and Facebook and, and all other means uh, that we are attached to. And I just want to encourage that as you enter into your prayers and as we think about what Jesus uh, exhorts us to in Matthew uh, 5 and 6, when he unpacks in greater degrees this prayer in the Sermon on the Mount and Matthew's sister passage to this passage in Luke, that we are careful about what language we allow into our hearts and into our minds and how we can fight to call our brothers and sisters, those we disagree with, and even our enemies um, by terms which honor the fact that they're created in the image of God. It's hard to let a caricature into your prayers. It's hard to pray for an idea that is formed about the worst of another. But when we are disciplined by confessing our own te- our own, and I'm there too. Temptations to use the terms from the propaganda of the evil one, who delights to divide us. When we use prayers and in our prayers language that honors, even if we're praying against the sin, think of the sins that we pray against. Um, how do we Pray for the one who is in the business of abortion? How do we pray for the one who is in the business of uh, oppressing a group of people? Can we pray against their sin? Yes. Should we pray that God would frustrate their purposes? Yes. Can we honor the fact that if God can save me or Saint Paul? that he could save even the one that I'm praying against at that moment. So how do we protect our language and let them truly in as human beings into our prayers? I want to suggest that that's also part of the provision of daily bread. Oh, my, look at the time. Uh, That when we begin to think and act on behalf of the other, uh, that praying for daily bread, as I alluded to with uh, with Chris and, and Mary, is that as we pray for the other, as we give up uh, what others owe us, which for some people would have been a cash revenue stream to buy food, Jesus wasn't using this language uh, lightly. That when we give up uh, certain things for the work of the kingdom, just as God did in Christ, not considering equality with God, something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant He became dependent upon the Father. And again, the great temptation of turning stones into bread. Do you use your power simply to provide for yourself? And Jesus' response is, I live on every word and work that comes from the Father. Jesus himself put his very sustenance in the hands of the provision of his Father. He knows what it means to take a risk. And to not put my own needs at the moment in front of what may be the needs of another. Which then is going to drive us to say, Lord, if I do this, you're going to have to provide. Lord, if I follow you here, you're going to have to catch me. It makes this prayer even more real and wonderful. To know that that is a prayer that god expects to be able to answer lastly letting uh, letting go of our prayers and this of course is that what robs our joy in the actions and in uh, the prayer life is if we think our actions determine the outcome or that if the outcome isn't what we think it should be that that robs us then of our joy it may grieve us it may make us less happy, but not the richness of the joy that it is to follow God. And that's what we're looking for in our understanding of biblical joy, that it, it transcends at a deeper level the moments of emotion. Joy is acting like God and thereby pointing people to God. And then allowing God to do the business with that individual as they see his light and glory for themselves. It's that trust of letting God, by his spirit, work the ends for his own purpose. Our joy is to participate with him. Our freedom is not having the outcome be dependent upon us in our frailness and our sinfulness and our lack of resources. We just don't happen to be infinite. And people will need an infinite God to fill the depths of their deepest needs. The joy of prayer and the joy of working alongside God is knowing that we have one who can and will complete the task, who will bring justice and mercy, who will make all things right and heal all bodies, who will dry every tear, who will make the prayers of our hearts yes and amen for eternity. It is not in our hands, and I don't know if there's anything else I could say this morning that would bring you any greater joy than knowing that the freedom to participate with God in the work of his kingdom, to care for others, to put our faith in him, in the end is not, the results uh, are not in our hands and not in our responsibility. To let those prayers go and to trust an infinite and loving God who knows the beginning, the middle, and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, to trust that the the greater craftsman, the Master, will bring all of his creation and his purposes to their perfect and right and glorious end, in line with who he is and in line with what he created us to be. The joy of serving alongside of God, is knowing that the one who started it will finish it in glorious fashion. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for, for the honor, for the, the, the privilege of coming alongside you in each one of our crafts, each one of our uh, giftings to be a part of your kingdom moving forward. We thank you that we can pray, that we have intimacy with you, that we can share the good and the bad of our days, and you understand. You know our frustrations, and you know our happiness and our joy. We thank you that in the midst of those prayers, you are providing ways forward for us to act with you for your kingdom. We thank you, and we pray, Lord, that as we see the beauty of your kingdom, the beauty of your Son, that we would find that deep and unending and rich source of eternal joy. In our Savior's name we pray. Amen.